Hello and welcome to Raising Learners, a conversation about supporting your child's learning at school and at home. Throughout this series, we'll discuss a range of questions. How to have a great relationship with your child's school and teacher. How to keep your child safe online and navigating those sometimes challenging final years of high school. I'm Derek McCormick from Raising Children Network and I'll be hosting today's episode. To begin with, on behalf of the team here, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where we meet as we record this conversation today. For me, where I am, this is to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. So today we're talking about VCE and VCAL and what parents can expect. I'm joined by Darren Trippett, college principal at Yarra Hills Secondary College, I'm joined by Bernadette Gigliotti from Career Education Association of Victoria. And I'm joined by Phil Noonan, a careers counsellor at Wonturner College. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. So starting with the first question here, it's a, it's a broad one to, to, to move us into the, into the rest. The last years of high school, especially year 12, are seen as, the, as this big deal uh, period for children and parents alike, with particular focus on these milestones, the VCE and the VCAL in Victoria and other certificates around Australia. Can you talk about um, the perspective or the perceived intensity of this year and what opportunities it, proje- it, it presents for teenagers and their parents? So if we could start with Darren on that. Thanks, Derek. You're right, and, and there seems to be a lot of pressure or certainly a lot of focus on, on the final year of schooling with the students, and, and that obviously comes about in a number of ways. You know, year 12 is the final year of, of a part of the schooling for the, for the students. It's not the end of schooling, but it's certainly a significant part of their schooling and, and it's the end of their secondary schooling. It's also a, a significant point in their life and, and sometimes that in itself creates challenges where you know, a lot of the students are, are reaching the age of 18, so, so they're getting to birthdays and, and technically becoming an adult, I guess. The other thing that comes about it at the same time is learning to drive and, and, and being out and about. And so I guess there's, there's all these tensions about, you know, what are the priorities and, and suddenly I've, I've gone from being a, a young adult to, to being classified as an adult and, and I need to take some responsibilities. And, and this seems to be, and certainly there's a big focus in the media on, on the assessment, particularly in VCE, it seems to be that everything's heading to this, this big point where all of a sudden it, it comes together. And it also puts a, a lot of pressure on the, on the students in that, uh, with that perception, um, sometimes unnecessarily so, because a, a point that I often make is that this is just one part, a point in the journey, and it's not the end of the journey. It's not just about one point. It's really just measuring a part of the process or a part of the journey. Hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that is a perspective that we can talk about more during the conversation and how we, how we manage people's expectations um, Phil, what would you like to add to that around the, the intensity of Year 12? I totally agree uh, with with Darren's comments that uh, in, in the nature of VCE and VCAL being it's just part of a process and a stage that the students are, are at and, and there is um, a lot of intensity and challenge around that year. Where it, it comes from doesn't necessarily always matter. It, it's really the issue that we having to address in schools is how do we manage that and take control of it so i think one of the really important things is that is that from the beginning that it is seen as a partnership 
and certainly from a teaching perspective, the, the emphasis really is on developing um, that relationship between students and teachers. From a counselling perspective, certainly having that team approach with parents, students and teachers uh, and myself as in the role that I have working as a team and developing that sense that we're working on this together. And, and I think many students, just from my experience, would be able to come back and talk to you know, the, either their younger selves or to the, the year 11s coming through and say, look, you know, there's, there's a few things you need to take on board and sit back and, and try and enjoy a lot of the aspects of the year. It may not seem like you're going to, but there is a lot in it that, um, that is positive. It's not all about challenge and pressure. Mm-hmm. Bernadette, I have a, a year 12er in, in this house and I relate to what Phil says. All of a sudden, we were, we're close to the end of this monumental year uh, and we're seeing all of the sort of opportunities and rites of passage that are part of it. What would you say, Bernadette? Well, you're absolutely right. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful time, actually. It's a really good time. We've, got, uh, we've had our children at school since prep. We probably cried when they first went into the first year of prep. And now we're going to cry as they complete their year 12. So I think the first thing to, to remember for parents is to be happy about that and to be very hopeful for the future, which is a very difficult thing to do at the moment because of the situation that we're all in. However, I don't think you, you can lose sight of that hope. Your role as a parent is uh, can be quite profound if you allow time to listen and really hear what they're saying and then give them some perspective because you can do that. You've had the experience, you've been through it, you've been through that age and you can share that with them when they're ready. So it, it, we're talking about the perception and, and having that longer term outlook. It's very difficult for young people to think beyond tomorrow, but uh, certainly as parents, we have that opportunity. We have hindsight and we can share some of those experiences with them when they're ready to hear. And I think it's important that um, as parents that, that we don't feel like we need to be able to be supplying answers. I think that's really important. Just the listening itself and letting it happen, as you were saying, um, is really important. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, yeah. Uh, so we have the scene set there around this, this period. Um, the next question, and, and I'll ask you uh, to comment first here, Darren, and it's the question around what actually uh, will occur during the year. So what can parents expect during the year in terms of tests, exams, assessment tasks, with, with all of that um, coming through? Uh, yeah, thanks, Derek. Uh, the VCE and, and VCAL, and, and in particular Year 12, the final year, um, they're, they're quite structured. So um, the assessment tasks that you're mentioning, there's VCAR, which is the Victorian Curriculum Assessment Authority. They have uh, external assessment guidelines um, and they have timelines as well. And so those are published really early and, and if obviously at the moment they've done some amendment to those, but uh, you should be in a position, particularly as a parent, firstly to make sure that the school's provided you with those or they, they're in fact, they're, in, they're available online if you really want to jump onto their website. But also the school has the capacity to um, provide a, an assessment schedule uh, internally as well. So each school will, will choose a, a different schedule and obviously that depends on the logistics uh, and dynamics of that particular school and, and what subjects they're offering and, and you know, their staffing profile, etc. So again, it's about the parents making sure that they communicate with, uh, with the school and the school communicates with the parents and the students to alert them early on that those sort of assessments 
assessments uh, are coming up. Now, the other part to that is that there will be times, there are particular times in any school year where there are multiple assessments that might occur in a particular uh, a short time frame, for example. And so they're the ones that I guess as, as principal that are, or as a teacher, in fact, that I'd be trying to alert the students to well ahead of schedule to, to expect that, okay, for the next week or two, you might not have uh, a SAC, which is a school-assessed coursework task. You might not have a, a SAC for the next couple of weeks, but we know that in week three, you've got three of them in the one week. And so how do you best manage your time around that? So, so really, it's about planning, but also making sure that the communication with the school and the teachers is there so that, that uh, anything that comes up is not a surprise. Phil, what would you add to that? So we're talking about communication uh, back and forth and the ability, the opportunity to, to learn quite early what the schedule is. I think I, I'd probably add that um, remaining connected to the school throughout the time is really, really important. So making sure that you're on top of, you know, the main forms of communication are that schools will often plan information nights, parent-teacher interviews, emailing, however the school keeps that communication, remain engaged with that. Our next question uh, moves into uh, more of the space around enthusiasm and motivation. So, you know, a year 12 student, for example, might enter the year quite refreshed from summer break, full of enthusiasm. But as as the work and the year progresses, uh, stress or fatigue might set in um, and there might be, you know, long bouts of intense study. Uh, and some other things getting in the way of that high motivation. Can we talk about how we can help students, you know, to set goals and to study plan uh, or build a study plan and what helps them with that motivation and effort to carry out through through the year? Darren, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, thanks, Derek. I think, the, as you mentioned, a study plan, um, it, it really is, is a life plan, to, to be honest, because study is one aspect of the, of the wider or the bigger picture. And, and it's really important that uh, from a school perspective or from a study perspective that the students firstly identify what we mentioned earlier about the tasks that are coming up and, and the schedule that they've got you know, to prepare for, but also to, uh, to look at how that might fit into the other aspects of their life. And, and you know, that can include you know, part-time jobs jobs and, and things like that. But uh, it's really about looking at what's coming up, but then breaking it down into, I, I guess, probably bite-sized chunks would be a, a reasonable way of talking about it. You know, there, there's a meal to be had um, over, the, over the course of the year, if we want to use that analogy. But it's really about breaking that down into bite-sized chunks so that, um, firstly, they don't seem insurmountable um, and that each each of the chunks, uh, each of the sections of, of the plan that, you know, once you get through a successful section, you've, you do have a degree of success and, and then you can move on. So I, I guess about planning along those lines and fitting it in as best you can around the other important parts of your life as well. Mm. And I know looking at uh, our, our teenager and, and, and this period, it does go up and down in terms of, you know, the enthusiasm and motivation. And I, I sometimes see what little triggers help, you know, bring it up again. A little bit of achievement on a particular assessment helps, you know, get things uh, back on an even keel. Uh, Phil, have you seen things like that or, or what have you seen that helps uh, with the motivation, helps with the enthusiasm during the period? Yeah, um, I guess relating to some conversations I've had with parents, I think you think it's, and, and this is where the careers counsellor at, at a school can be um, invaluable, is uh, to really set up that conversation with the, the student to 
figure out what it is they want out of their VCE or their VCAL. So why are they actually in year 12? And sometimes the, the answer to that may seem to be quite obvious, but when you dig a bit deeper, sometimes there, there may be really no underlying motivation and we may need to work at finding out what that is. And obviously that's a really individual conversation. As parents, I think we, we know our, our children best. Uh, we know when to back off. We know when we might need to listen. So I, I think trust your judgment because we, we often know and can do more than we think we can do. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, working with Raising Children Network uh, and advising parents through that platform, that's one of the yeah, common pieces of advice that, that uh, we, we hand out to parents, you know, uh, trust, trusting in terms of your expertise on your child and um, trusting in the relationship that you've got with them to sort of monitor how things are going and when to raise a concern and get that extra support that all parents will need at some point. I might just add to what you've just said there, Derek, in terms of uh, knowing when something's not going right. It's really important, uh, again, that that's communicated directly with the school as quickly as possible. In fact, proactively as early as possible. It's much better from a school's perspective because uh, there's a lot of support in place in schools, wellbeing and careers counselling support. Uh, but the earlier you're in a position to put that in place uh, or even the earlier that you're alerted that there might be an issue arising, uh, the better placed you are to actually uh, positively impact that. So from a parent's perspective, it's really important that you let the school know um, and sometimes it's just a, I'm not sure if anything's, un, you know, not quite right at the moment, but I've just got a feeling that, you know, my son or daughter, as you say, because you know them best, that they're a little bit off at the moment and, and, and something's, you know, doesn't seem as, as it would usually be. So, and, and then the school can monitor that and, and, you know, we've got eyes on that particular student for our portion of the day and then the parents can feed back you know, as things change and, and, and if it doesn't eventuate that, there's, that there was an issue, then that's okay. But if something does start to present itself, uh, we're best placed to support the student. Yeah, so that two-way communication is genuinely there and it's an opportunity to, to raise something, even if you're not entirely sure. Just going on to some of the other elements of, of, of a teenager's life uh, at this time, students might get a part-time job, they might have sporting commitments, uh, new relationships in their life. Um, there's a lot going on uh, during the during the VCE uh, period. These things can be great for self-esteem. They can help with that motivation. There's a lot of uh, new adventure happening, uh, and they can help them develop and uh, as a person uh, work on problem-solving skills. There's, there's so much going on. But can you give us some other ideas of how young people set up a rhythm that's healthy and balanced during this busy, busy time? Given some of this might be also further disrupted by our current context with COVID-19, what suggestions or ideas would you offer to parents around keeping things in balance? Bernadette, what are your thoughts on that? We need to be aware that VCE and VCAL, that final year, is an important year, so it really should take some priority over the other activities. But in saying that, I don't think if you've got a part-time job and you're able to manage a reasonable um, commitment to that, and including your study, then I don't think you need to throw that away because those social interactions are very important for a young person as well as learning on the job is also critical. So for some young people that are actually completing a VCAL, they're able to balance um, some uh, 
work, some employment study plus their vet studies, and it works out very nicely for them so they can continue on with the number of um, uh, commitments to their part-time work. For other young people, they might need to consider uh, how to balance uh, the hours that they're committed to and make a, a firm commitment to perhaps maybe scaling back some of the hours that they've taken in the past when they've been able to work um, or commit to an employer a few more hours. This year, it is an important year for them to consider their scheduling. And the same applies with their commitments to sporting uh, clubs and hobbies outside of uh, the VCE. That conversation that Phil was talking about, having that upfront conversation with uh, their career practitioner at their school or their parent about what it is they're trying to achieve out of this year 12 and the next steps, what's coming next, and then taking a really good look at what they're prepared to um, put on hold for 12 months, how much they can fit into their scheduling without feeling overcommitted, without feeling too tired um, because the work is consistent. One of the, I suppose, one of the good uh, things about the VCE is that it does allow you to consistently work and it rewards you for being consistent. So whether you're doing a VCE or a VCAL, the completion is important. So making sure that that scheduling uh, is considered right at the beginning of the year and as you approach your exams, readjusting your other commitments to ensure that there's plenty of time for study. And I think the parents can help with that because often our family commitments, uh, I'm from a very big Italian family, we have lots of commitments. Um, and sometimes it's important for the parents to say, oh, look, you know, that commitment, I think that perhaps you might get a bit more uh, out of staying at home and studying. How do you feel about that? And discussing it with the young person. Mm -hmm. um, there's a really nice point in there, uh, Phil, around around flexibility, uh, isn't there? Around both parents and, and the young person being flexible to say this or that might need to pull back or I won't, can't happen this time uh, because scheduling is, is, is helping us see what, what to prioritize at the moment. And the other good part I'm hearing is that this can be calibrated and tweaked as we go. So it's not like we lock everything in, start of the schedule and on we go. Phil, have you any other thoughts on that idea of um, the balance and, and, and maybe making changes as you go? Yeah, look, that, that's, that's a very good, really good way to put it, Derek, is that having that initial platform does allow you to tweak things as the needs arise. You know, I mean, we've seen this this year, particularly with, with having to, to change things on a fairly regular basis in terms of the way we work. I, I guess thinking more broadly, though, I, I, one, of the, one of the best stories I think I can remember is a student who um, came to talk to me about all of the different activities she had and, and she was a student who performed well academically. She had, I think, four or five things that were happening during the week with regard to sport and, and so on and she had got to that point where it was getting a bit much uh, and probably had let it go a bit long, to be honest, but it was a great conversation because we ended up deciding, well, what, what's the one thing that you would um, you'd love to keep? Uh, and she said, well, my dance is what really makes me sing, so to speak. And that was what we decided was going to be best for her because that was going to complement everything else that was going on in her life. That was going to make everything else work. That's a really nice story. And it reminds me of your comment earlier when the opportunity might be there to unpack 
uh, what's happening, what's what's really motivating a you know a, a teenager to 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 keep going. Uh, and uh, like you were saying, it might be something that isn't easy to assume. Uh, the thing that's keeping them motivated, and in that story, it was is this particular activity is the one that's going to be the cornerstone. Yeah, I, I might um, just add something if I can. I guess from from my perspective as as a school principal, um, we, we try and make sure that we provide our students and our families um, with enough information to make really well informed decisions about those sort of priorities. At our school, we we, uh, we have a, a program which we call Aspire, which is uh, a, a lesson in in the week which uh, evolves a, a lot around uh, positive psychology where where we uh, do a lot of work on uh, talking to the students about appropriate sleep exercise habits uh, mental health meditation and a range of things and and I remember when we first implemented that subject um, there were a lot of well, parents and, and, and students who sort of said, well, why are we doing this? Why aren't we doing our maths? Why aren't we doing our English? Why aren't we doing our science in, in that? That's, that's one lesson. Are we wasting a lesson? And, and uh, as much as we'd sold it, it wasn't until a, a, a few, well, probably a few, a few weeks down the track where we had one student came to us and said, I, I, I get it now. This is actually the only lesson in the week where the topic is me. And, and so each of those students were then able to focus on themselves for that lesson. They weren't thinking externally, they were thinking internally. And what, what is it that I can do to make sure that I am feeling the best and doing my best and being my best? Knowledge of self and, and how you're going al- alongside your schedule and being flexible with that schedule. Mm, exactly. Great. Yeah, thanks, Darren. Um, we're going to go to our last question now. So this is... Let's say, let's say the last stages of, of formal school. And in those latter years of high school, students are thinking a lot about their next steps, further study, TAFE, apprenticeship, or a gap year. There's a lot on, on the menu. Uh, and there are lots of times when these young people are being asked, you know, what's next? What's going to happen? Uh, what if young people are unsure about what those options are or what they should do after school? Um, in your opinion, what are, what are the, some of the ways that parents can respond in that context and work with the school around that uh, future planning? I think the the question here is that um, parents have an opportunity now to really become an ally for their young person at this stage. The young person might become so caught up in what's happening on the day-to-day of getting their subjects right, getting their um, completion in, getting everything ready for, for final papers, that they may not necessarily have the time to go and do that final bit of research that might be needed in terms of applications, in terms of uh, what special requirements might be available for them, which tertiary institution is going to be best. So I think that if the parent is available and has the opportunity opportunity to, to um, contact the career advisor or at least do some of that um, research work, jump onto the VTAC website, find out when the dates for applications are opening and closing. Schools are very good at informing their parents and in the busy world, um, it might be that you get onto an, uh, a newsletter stream from your school where you're actually receiving uh, information directly from the practitioner or from the, uh, the unit within the school that deals with pathways and transition choices. So actually staying connected to the school is absolutely critical for the parent to support the young person as well as that, become a little bit nosy. Go and have a look at the open days when the universities, and I know that 
at the moment we're probably going to have virtual open days, but jump online and see what the universities are asking. Ask the hard questions. Where does this course lead? What's the outcome? And become informed about um, the opportunities that are coming out now. Become very informed yourself, not necessarily because you want to be the you know, do the job of the career advisor, but actually have that information at hand for your young person if they need that support. So I think that uh, from the parent's perspective, not offering doom and gloom, I think that's absolutely important. We get enough of that in the media, but to actually have an open mind and to consider the skills and strengths of your young person and then have a look at some different options. I'll share a story with you because I think this is a great one. Um, I had a, a young a, a boy in year 12 when I was still in schools counselling and he came in and his mother was absolutely frantic. And by the time I got her a cup of coffee and we sat down and I said, you know, can you explain to me why, what's upsetting you? So and she said, he wants to be a circus act. I've just spent all this money educating me, wants to go into circus arts. There's no such thing. And she, was, she had all these perceptions about what this career would be in circus arts when I actually said, well, let's have a listen to what he has to say. This young man had found out that there was a degree in circus arts. He also realised he had done some work uh, in gymnastics. He was a, an excellent gymnast and uh, he had done a fair bit of work around some of the opportunities uh, to start with a certificate for and then moving through to a degree course. So he had actually done all his research and he had mapped it out. When we sat down and we had a look at this pathway, the mother's shoulders dropped and she said, I really had preconceived ideas, didn't I? But his passion for gymnastics and his passion to entertain were coming together beautifully in this concept of circus arts and I also would like to share with you because I think often uh, sometimes uh, parents might hear people say oh well the school told them they have to do this the schools don't actually say you must go here or you must go there it's really around having this conversation about identifying um, the type of learning style that the young person prefers and also where they're thinking uh, that they'd like to kickstart their career because remember this is a first career they're going to have multiple careers um, and so just getting ourselves set for that first step into a first career is is important and if the first step isn't the right one to start with then there are other opportunities doors don't close what we're able to do is to look and see what else might be available not to consider that there's always just one way uh, or one choice available wonderful um so phil what, what i'm hearing there is a couple of big themes you know, be curious with your child, be curious on their behalf and have the conversation and, and see the, the career professional at the school as your partner in, in, in that conversation and, and that curiosity. Phil, is there anything else that comes to mind when you're looking ahead on a, from a parent's perspective? I guess I would add to that, Derek, that, that being part of that conversation can, can literally mean that we meet, whether it's online or, or at the school, and have that dialogue and that enables those conversations around what we mean by a pathway and how we how we actually viewing what next year and beyond is going to look like and that it's it's about managing that transition rather than as Bernadette said just dropping you into a career that then we sort of sit and forget about. I guess a couple of other um, logistical points I wanted to make too that there are some 
some actions that you can suggest, uh, find out more about. If your child, for example, has uh, particular needs, so they might be with around mental health, it might be something medical, there is a provision to make adjustments for students throughout the year. So there is a process around that and it's important to connect with the school early to to explore that as an option. The other process that's available for them is uh, CEASE, which is Special Equity and Access Scheme. And that uh, is often really helpful when some event has occurred where a student might have really suffered from some sort of disadvantage. So based on your own child's uh, maybe some particular needs or uh, some impact on their know, uh, final years of school and how that's gone. These things uh, can be discussed with, with the school and then with prospective universities to, to sort of tweak that pathway. So again, this communication uh, opportunity is there. Yeah, and, and I should add, look, it, it's, it's something that I do every day, but really from a parent perspective, it is quite complex. It is important to get that advice because there are sometimes some specifics and technicalities that we make got to make sure that we get right Darren, I might throw to you for final thoughts on this. What, what we, where we're finishing up there is on that aspect of, uh, I guess, tailoring or communicating around things that will in- impact on pathway as as VCE finishes and and, and the child moves on to further further um, journeys. Uh, any thoughts on that, Darren? Uh, yeah, thanks, Derek. Um, look, firstly, I mirror the the comments of Phil and Bernie in terms of, you know, the number of uh, the the amount of resources and information that are available to support the students to make the right decision. Um, the other thing I probably want to press is that um, the, the even the university environment is, is much more dynamic than what it used to be some years ago and, and, and that also applies to, to the um, vocational environment with, with jobs and, and so um, there was reference made just before about the fact that you can get into a university degree and, and sort of go sideways and, and upwards and, and end up somewhere that you didn't necessarily initially think that you were going to be and uh, probably one analogy that I often fall back on is that traditionally we talked about a ladder, you know, climbing the ladder and, and just and, and it was very vertical and, and, and rigid whereas now uh, the workforce is really, it's, it's like the, the jungle gym uh, where you can start at a point and the other point is somewhere on the other, to- the other part of the playground and you can go upwards, you can go sideways, you can actually even drop backwards and, and then go a little bit another way but ultimately you can still get to the same point at the other end and so that for a lot of, uh, for a lot of students and a lot of families helps to sort of conceptualise the, the fact that ultimately you can still get to where you need to be, but the path to get there won't always look the way you thought it was going to be. I think that's a great place to finish um, uh, on a note of hope and excitement because we're talking about uh, the future being uh, full of options, uh, a bit like playing on a jungle gym. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, why not subscribe? Tell your friends. For more tips and information about the topics we covered, visit raisingchildren.net.au. I also want to acknowledge the Department of Education and Training Victoria for their support in this series. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, take care.